You're listening to Passion Pod 47 with Smith and Sinclair. So, Melanie, Smith and Sinclair, yeah. your idea is freaking awesome. Thank you. It is. I'm like, marrying of these two things? Pretty brilliant. Tell me in a nutshell how you describe it to people. So, if I had my way, we would describe it as grown-up Haribo. Good it's one. the thing you want at the party. It's the alternative to a gin and tonic when you get home from work. It's something to have fun with at work on a Friday afternoon. And we created it because I had an insatiable sweet tooth to the point at which at uni I would go out and when everyone else was buying their pre-drink, I would buy jelly tots. Love it. Um, so now yeah, you've just done the un- combo. Unreal. And limited <laughs> cavities considering how bad it is. And yeah, So meal, far. <laughs> so far, yeah. <laughs> now comes the testing stage. And Emil has always, he's been a chef for the better part of a decade. He's always been really interested in drink and sort of the gap between food and drink you know he always worked with bartenders and sort of alternative garnishes he would bring alcohol into his food recipes to create unusual desserts okay wicked. Um, and it just made sense <laughs> in a nutshell <laughs> and have you known Emil for ages how did that sort of partnership come come about me and Emil met when I was studying music at Cardiff okay and he was a chef at the local pub we had the same group of friends we stayed in touch and then when I moved to London we moved to London together and he worked in a restaurant down at Tower Bridge at Perkin Revler and was always really experimental. I would always joke because he was always banging on about jello shots. And even like four years ago, as a joke gift, I got him a jello shot cavity case to make the molds. Um, That's so weird. It so it's was, been bubbling yeah. like, yeah. But never to sort of fruition and to be to the guy I thought the idea was ridiculous and I was like no one's gonna pay a pound for a sweet but it turns out they do <laughs> so um your background wasn't to do with food then no so I did music and then I started putting on music and theatre events um and that is my background sort of this these immersive experiences I was very interested by adult play and how people like to escape their current environments especially with today's society being so addicted to technology and we were at my nephew's birthday party and they're nine and they all had this wicked time and they're all you know there's a new kid who no one's ever met but they're best mates with him in five minutes and they're all bonding over like the new game and the new movie the new tv show and then you go home with your goodie bag which has the new tv show key ring in it and sweets that you've made at the party and a biscuit which you got to ice and a party hat you wore and you get to take it home and show your siblings and show your parents it brought it to life for everyone and I thought, wouldn't that be great if every event you went to where you were this big kid, you could sort of take something home with you and carry that experience on. That's amazing background to it. Sort of knowing your product, mm. what it is, but hearing all of that, it's you look back and you're like, oh, right, that's yeah. why, that's why. But it was a happy accident because we didn't go about setting for a goodie bag. It was totally a byproduct because I started running these board game events that were f- for dating nights. And it was all about physicality. People don't touch enough, especially in the UK. And face-to-face as well. And just that, and having an environment where you're not awkward, where you're not at sort of a speed dating night, where you're not standing at the bar for half an hour waiting for your drink, awkwardly making conversation. It was this immediacy. If you could play, you had a point of common interest you could talk about. Even if you had nothing to talk about, you could play Guess Who. Brilliant. I love Guess Who. It was so fun. Oh, I haven't played that for years. Where's the board game? Come on. all in my house. Um, now I have about 30. They'll be back. They will be back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I asked Emil if he could create something that when people came in, they could have something right there to talk about 
that would be nostalgic to being a kid but because they were in bars and it was an over 18 night and it was this sort of adult play environment it needed to be more mature than just sort of putting jelly babies in a bowl and telling it was for grown-ups so he went about creating these edible cocktails and the first one was actually because Hendrix Gin's global ambassador David Piper was coming to an event because he knew the owner of the bar and I was actually trying to get sponsorship for the nights this was actually my business <laughs> and Emil created a gin and cucumber pastel with Hendrix Gin yum um, turns out David Piper's a diabetic <laughs> Oh, good Could, start. Couldn't have them. Um, <laughs> like your idea, but you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'd rather get pissed and not have to have an insulin shot. Um, but everyone else at the party loved them. We had people come back the next time, ask for them. We had people sort of emailing, asking about them. And I was working on this thing called The Other Club as well, which was a women's pop-up in Covent Garden. Asked them if we could do a whiskey night where we could, rather than pair whiskey with chocolate, which I think is quite a counterintuitive process because chocolate coats your mouth and it sort of the dairy inhibits your taste buds from really engaging with the whiskey anyway flavors yeah it's not actually the best pairing i was like why not pair them with our pastels and you can actually eat it before you drink it rather than it enhance each other it just shows you a different experience and it worked really well and sort of the next day we got offered a stall on Berwick Street Market oh my god um it was like yeah it was towards the end of november so we just christmas bought a marquee got our licenses together. Literally the I next day. I went and did day. a personal license course. Within five days, we went from having the product to selling it to strangers. Oh my gosh. And it was not ready to be sold. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, were, we had no idea how the product worked. And because this hadn't been done before, there was no one you could just ask. It wasn't like, oh, why is our chocolate blooming? It was like, oh, our sweets keep getting wet and we don't know why. But in the meantime, we'll sell them and make some money. It's so learning as you go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And there's no harm because we knew they couldn't make anyone sick. There was nothing in them that was bad. It, they just wouldn't taste as good as they could taste, but people still loved the idea and loved them. So we did three weeks on a market stall in the freezing cold next to a guy with a Nazi tattoo on his head. Cash, um, cash. <laughs> Real <laughs> relaxed. Good timing um, though with Christmas, my God. Yeah, and we, did, like, we took three grand in cash in three weeks wow. for a product that we didn't even really understand and just thought it was the best thing ever. God, um, quick. Yeah, really quick. And we just went away and sort of came up with a name that we liked and came up with a sort of a brand identity, built our website. And, and you did that all yourselves? Yeah, I mean, if we thank God for good friends. Yeah, um, sure. And we had people designing our logo and doing our website. And then we, Emile's from Wales. We went back to Wales because every quote we got in London for branding was three grand and up. And we had our tiny little pocket of money. And these guys in Wales said they'd do it for 700 quid, all of our packaging. Um, wow, big they difference. Were wicked and they did such a great job. And sort of two days after our website launched, Imbibe Live, who had the biggest alcohol exhibition in the UK, um, ordered 20,000. And we thought it was a joke. We got this email and I was like, they must have, they must have put on an extra zero by accident because <laughs> no ways does someone need 20,000 sweets. Of what we make. Of what we make and out of our tiny kitchen in our flat. Um, and they did. So we had to very quickly source a kitchen and it's really hard to find a kitchen in London. I mean, we're based in East Finchley. Everything cools in Hackney and costs 150 quid a day. Everything industrials in Park Royal and costs 100 quid a day and you need all your equipment ready and you need all your <laughs> sort of licenses and insurance in place. So we went to schools and synagogues and churches and 
pulled kitchens out of our arse and drove everything around in my Toyota Igo and figured it out. I mean, the image of that is beautiful. (laughs) It wasn't glamorous. But that's a great idea because you're basically tapping into what's already there rather than having, you know, you've got enough stuff that you were doing, basically. We kind of thought people must have spaces they don't use. And now, I mean, this was even in the last year, so many more programs have developed. I mean, I'm sure there's like an Airbnb out there for kitchens, but... There wasn't a year ago because I looked my little heart out. And it's all yeah. that sort of stuff you wouldn't think of when you're sort of going with it. No Suddenly, idea. like, you're solving the problems that you need as you go, basically. And we didn't know they needed to be temped in a certain way, so, you know, they couldn't be left in a hot condition, they couldn't be left in a really cold condition, they needed to have time to rest, we couldn't just put them in plastic a day after they were made, and all that sort of stuff was a steep learning curve. I was going to say, because I normally ask, you know, what the biggest challenges are, but I guess because you're doing it sort of you know, day by day, you know, everything was a sort of learning curve because you're, but I get the end result obviously means that you know your product bloody well. We know so much about (laughs) sugar-based confectionery, yep. You are the queen and the king. Because you know, it's that thing, I guess that's the best, the benefit of it is that you do know your product in the end inside out in a very short space of time. Whereas if you go off and you're developing all this stuff, you're you're Mm. approaching it in such a different way. And also if we'd gone into R&D for a year and had the money, we would have paid a food scientist to do all the research and we would have paid laboratories to do all the testing, but it would have taken much more time, much more money. And and then by that point, someone else could have done it. So, And it's that thing always, I think, with startup ideas. When you've got something and you've got it, you can't get it out of your head. Yeah. It's like you can't just really... I mean, and I know for some people, you know, that's the right thing to take a bit more time, whatever. Yeah. But when you've got that and you're, you know, you're in a market like you are, like you say, sitting at home halfway through your R&D and seeing someone else doing it would, would be, be slightly the old slap in the face. So, darling, just take me back a little bit. We missed out the next sort of timeline chunk. You got this huge order from Imbibe magazine. You got your kitchen up and running. So whilst we'd sort of produced the 20,000, those then got shipped to 20,000 drinks individuals on the front page of Imbibe Live's invitation. Oh, wow. So on the front, you got the suite, and on the back, it was a half-page spread about our company and what we do. Amazing. So suddenly, restaurants, bars, and brands had heard about us. Whilst we were doing that, we also got Secret Cinema on as a client because that was really important to me to, to maintain a relationship with the arts. Um, and not only are they a wicked company to work for and their events are awesome, the audiences are spot on for our product. I mean, these are premium, experimental, indulgent, grabbing life by the ball audiences who want something new. Tickety, tickety, tick. Yeah, it just, it completely boosted our profile. And these are tastemakers. These are people who do talk and all you need are sort of six recommendations and suddenly you've got like, now what's really exciting is when people do come up and they're like, oh, I've heard about this. Oh, someone talked about this. Or what we usually get is, you're not the only ones doing this. Oh, nice, friendly. And we're like, yeah, we are. And they're like, no, I've seen them here. And we're like, yeah, that's us. And I've seen them here. No, 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 that's that's still us. Oh, but you weren't here. No, that's that's still us. We are the only people doing this. I do not know how to say but it. Quite actually, quite satisfying. So you're like, Super oh, satisfying. sorry. Uh, can I be a little bit smug here? But yeah. uh, that was us. Oh yeah. Don't try and <laughs> outsmart me. Um, Super satisfying, and also just, it's it's great to know that we're being seen in so many alternative pockets, but now we're really having to, you know, upscale our own resources and really push sales, because we're now in Harvey Nichols, Harrods, Selfridges. Amazing. Fenix on Bond Street. Wow. Um, we do really well with our online sales, with Not On The High Street. We don't sell on our website, mainly because 
well, people will hear about us through other people and if they come to our website, it's more for a personal order and the, we don't have a big enough team to manage sort of an e-commerce platform. Um, yet. Yet, <laughs> absolutely. Plus it kind of puts off retailers if they can come and get it off your website while they buy it off them and we really at this point want to promote our through sales. Sure, and you're valuing that so much, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But now our push is to sort of outsource the manufacturing of the pastels at a very large scale so that we can continue our brand development and our new products that we want to launch to market because pastels are just the start of a number of adult products we want to bring out. So to get the numbers in place for outsourcing, we're looking at hospitality, so a number of hotel groups to be put in the rooms as a turnover alternative to just chocolate. Because it is an indulgent adult environment, it's sort of a fun thing to receive on your pillow instead of just a mint. I actually, I went somewhere recently and they gave us a little homemade um, vodka thing by the yeah, bed. Lovely. Little tiny. It was great. It was all locally made yeah. and yeah, And it great. adds so much to the value experience and that's what hotels really need at the moment. People are looking for something more. Yeah. People aren't satisfied with just a bed anymore no. because you can just get a bed on Airbnb. What they want is the added value of what a hotel has to offer and if they can do something like our product and make it bespoke, why wouldn't they? Mm. So we're pushing that's a that. cool. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, and airlines because once mm. you're stuck on a nine-hour flight, you're not driving anywhere. <laughs> Why Tuck not on in. <laughs> and often, you know, alcohol makes you dehydrated, so you often don't necessarily want like a bottle of wine to yourself on a plane, but you kind of want that sleepy experience, and you want the result of drinking so but with a sweet but with a sugar kick yes so you can watch all your movies <laughs> exactly maximize it um so tell me your good stuff like the stuff that you've learned from all of this mm. i guess what's the bit that you really you've enjoyed about this journey because it's been as i say it's sound like a broken record but it's been a quick one mm. all of it i mean you wake up and no matter what time whether it's like six in the morning to wake up and set up our we're in old street tube station at the moment with a pop-up market you know, we're having to wake up at 6, 6.30, get to the old street station, get it out of storage, set up this market stall to just be stared at by commuters for an hour who do not want to try an alcoholic suite at 7 in the morning. Um, even that, it's, it's funny and you're doing it for yourself. And every time 10 tourists come up to you asking for directions, we get someone who comes up and asks for us to stop sweets for a fashion week party. So yeah, being out there. There's never a dull moment ah that's not true there are dull moments but the dull moments for you and it it makes it fine and there's been so much fun working in the drinks industry is so much fun because I never saw myself doing this and the parties are great <laughs> added bonus and the people are great I mean everyone is just such so up for a laugh everyone generally is up for helping each other so Good At no point have we felt like we came up against a wall of people not wanting mm. to support us. And considering actually the drinks industry can be quite restrictive and judgmental of products that don't fit certain criterias, they've really engaged with us because we're not trying to bulldoze the drinks industry. We're not trying to mask anything. All we're trying to do is offer an alternative way of consuming products. And it Great, you're sort of knocking both on the head. Mm. It's like we're new and different but we can also, you know, do it the way you like it. Yeah, it's kind exactly. of covering both bases. It's so and it's just so much fun. Like our meetings are ridiculous. Like we went for a meeting in a Victorian <laughs> toilet that's been converted into a bar in Kentish town and spoke about how we could use their distill and their 
boat which goes along the Thames giving gin tours. You know, this is fun. <laughs> like, this is my actual job. Constantly having to be like, this Pinch. is our life. Yeah. <laughs> this is really funny. Darling, tell me, if you were to start this again, what advice do you think you'd give someone else who is starting on a journey? So much advice. <laughs> um, well, I'd say probably money has been our biggest hurdle. We didn't have an outside investor. It's been our own personal investment and cash flow. There are a lot of grants on offer, especially for women in business at the moment, actually. Um, And to find those before you start, to just give yourself that little pot to sit on, really just eases a lot of the tensions and strains you find at the beginning. And you've got to spend money to make money. It is the old saying, and it is true that don't expect to be a millionaire in the first year, but also it'd be nice to be cash flow positive. And if you can do that with someone else's money, try. Um, I would also say we're really proud that we haven't given any equity away. And I don't think in the first year you really should because you don't know the value of your company in the first year. So don't sell out just to feel comfortable because you can get loans and you can get grants and you can borrow. And we've had more offers for money in the last year than I'll probably ever have for the rest of my life. And people are just willing to help. I'd say people are a lot nicer than you expect them to be. And talk about it all the time. Because people who are scared of copycats, I think are quite naive to the fact that not everyone is gonna quit their job and do it because it is a hard slog. So talk about what you're doing, get people excited, get the response, because (laughs) we completely relied on people's reaction to what we were doing and and grew it in certain ways that we wouldn't have necessarily have done ourselves according to how people's input changed our opinions and outlooks on things. I mean, you know, people thought the sweets were a bit too big at first, so we changed the size a bit. And, you know, some needed more flavoring, some needed less flavoring, you know. it was, Put it out there, it basically. Just, yeah, put it out there because feedback is invaluable and don't be cocky enough to think you know it all because no one knows it all. And, yeah if I had a penny every time someone asked us if we thought about doing weddings. But <laughs> then you'll get someone who goes, have you thought about doing limousine minibars? And I'm like, no, I haven't. So Pick and choose. Yeah. <laughs> Some things are gold and the other ones you can kind of ignore. You've been listening to Passion Pod 47 with Smith and Sinclair. 